In our nation today, there are intense protests in the streets. It seems that sickness and death are everywhere from this novel coronavirus. Job security has gone right out the window. Gun violence is running rampant in our nation's biggest cities. Daily murders seem to be commonplace. The moral fabric of our society is being torn apart at the seams. And political unrest seems to be causing division in our country like we've never seen before. One thing that we desperately lack is peace of mind. But even in the midst of such turmoil, God has given His own a gift. It's a promise, really. But each one of us as believers can experience true peace. In John 14, in verse 27, as Jesus was preparing His disciples for His departure, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In other words, Jesus was saying, I'm leaving you a gift. I'm leaving you a gift. It's a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give you. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. You see, friends, true peace is not just tranquility when there's no trial. True peace is not just calmness when there's no trouble. True peace is not just stillness when there's no turmoil. No. True peace, the peace that only Christ can give, is tranquility calmness and stillness right in the midst of trial, right in the midst of trouble, right in the midst of turmoil. Now sadly, some Christians get so caught up in the pursuit of peace, they have forgotten that Jesus has already given it to us. For them, it's like a gift that remains unopened. Augustine said many, many years ago, our souls are restless until they find their rest in God. The truth is, we can't find any peace outside of a relationship with God. The truth is we can't find peace outside of the parameters that God has given to us. Therefore, we must look to the Word of God. We must look to God's Word to 
unwrap this precious gift, our ninth cornerstone of faith, peace. Now right out of the gate, we must learn that peace comes when Jesus controls our lives. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28, Jesus provides us with the antidote to turmoil, the antidote to unrest, the antidote to evil, the antidote to the heavy burdens that the world throws at us through the course of our lives. Listen to the word of our Savior. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, when we allow Jesus to carry our burdens, when we permit Jesus to guide us through the course of life, the promise of Scripture is, is that we will receive the Lord's promise, which is the gift of rest. But once again, the gift comes only within the scope of God's Word. So, Jesus teaches us three things that we must do in order to find true peace. Now, we all want peace. I know that. We all want peace, but sometimes we find it very difficult to find in our lives. So, we must be very deliberate. We must be very intentional. We must be very careful to concentrate on practicing these three necessary conditions. Number one, Jesus said, come to me. We must come to Christ. If you're going to know peace, then you've got to know Jesus. If you've already accepted Jesus as the Savior and Lord of your life, then you've already fulfilled this number one condition. But if you're still searching for meaning in your life, if you're still searching for purpose, you might be right at the door today. But know this, you will not find peace in anyone else. You will not find peace in anything else other than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Sure, you may find temporary peace of mind, but when the bottom falls out, then what are you going to do? You see, only Jesus Christ, Him alone, will you find the unending peace, the eternal peace that you so crave. We have to come to Christ. Secondly, we must exchange our yoke for his yoke. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. 
Now, we don't use that word yoke very often in our common language, but a yoke is a heaven, heavy wooden harness that is placed over the necks of oxen that helps to pull a wagon or some other farming implement. A yoke enables a farmer to direct his oxen. Now, when we look at a yoke from a human perspective, we identify a heavy yoke as anything that tries to direct our lives. Let me give you a couple of examples. If you find yourself burdened with a particular job, it's probably because you are yoked to the pursuit of money. If you're only in a job for the money, you may want to exchange your yoke. You may want to exchange that yoke for a career that will give you true joy. Another example. If you're burdened by daily workouts at the gym, it's probably because you're yoked to a desire to just look good. If you're working out only to impress others, you may want to exchange your yoke. Exchange your yoke and begin exercising because of the good physical and mental health that it provides. Here's your bottom line. Whenever you have a yoke that is stealing your peace, it's time to exchange it. Whenever you are burdened, and have a yoke that is too heavy and steals your peace, it's time to exchange it because it will affect everything else in your life. Now, spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, a yoke may be the weight of guilt. It may be the weight, the burden of unforgiveness. It may be the burden of trying to please God with your own good works. Jesus says, I want you to exchange that load. I want you to exchange that yoke for his lighter yoke, for his lighter burden, which is the grace of God. You can rest knowing, friend, that you don't have to work for God's favor. You don't have to work to get God to love you. He loves you just the way that you are. However, that that he loves, he also desires to change into his beautiful image. And all you need to do is accept his son. Come to Christ. Accept his yoke. But thirdly, we must also allow Jesus to lead. Jesus said, Learn from me. Now, this may be the hardest part of the promise. And the reason that it's the hardest part of the promise is, is because we want to be in control. We want to be in control, but God says, I want you to hand over the reins of your life to me. Friend, are you ready? Are you willing to leave every aspect of, of your life in the hands of God? When you do, the promise of Scripture is, is that you'll begin to experience God's promised rest for your soul. 
as God becomes a regular part of your daily life, as you begin to routinely rely on him day in and day out, that yoke of worry, that yoke of anxiety will begin to slowly but surely disappear. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 16, 33? He said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In me you may have peace. You see, peace comes when Jesus is in control of our lives. Number two, peace also comes when we follow the Holy Spirit. Now, we learn back in our second cornerstone of faith, preventing sin, that even while you're a Christian, you're still going to struggle with your sinful nature. And listen, that struggle with your sinful nature can steal your peace. It can steal your peace. However... If you can allow God's Spirit to control your life in every area, in every relationship, in every facet of your life, then your struggle will be much less intense and you will experience far more peace. Now going back to Romans chapter 8, Paul discusses a way to unwrap God's precious gift of peace. Do you remember it? Beginning in verse 5 of Romans chapter 8, he wrote, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. No peace in death, right? It's death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Life and peace. Now, the nuts and bolts of this passage basically are this. If you are going to follow your old evil desires, your sinful nature, then you'll never be able to please God. Your life, whether you realize it or not, will be empty, it will be shallow, and you will lack peace. However, if you will decide that you are going to live following the Spirit, having a Spirit-controlled mind, following the filling, then you will experience, according to the Word of God, life and peace. But to get to this place, to get to this place where you have a spirit-controlled life, I want to encourage you to follow the advice of the Apostle Paul, who said in Colossians chapter 3, set your minds, focus your minds, set your minds on things above, heavenly things, not on things of the earth, worldly things. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ, in God. So, another, uh, another condition of obtaining the peace of God is coming to this place, coming to the crossroads in your life 
where you stop allowing your old sinful nature to control you and you start following the Holy Spirit's direction within you. Follow the filling. Follow the filling. Because peace comes when Jesus controls your life. And peace comes when you follow the filling, when you follow the Holy Spirit within you. But finally, peace comes when God rules your heart. One of the most obvious identifying marks of a Christian is peace. Peace. While we know that we receive peace by submitting to Christ and following the Holy Spirit... We must also constantly work to keep things from being uh, a crowding out the peace of God. We must constantly work to keep things from distracting us from the peace of God in our lives. Paul points this out in Colossians chapter 3.15. He says that peace doesn't come from our own efforts. No, it comes from Christ that rules our heart. Listen to what he said. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule, let the, and, and allow the peace of God to rule, uh, permit the peace of God to rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Now, the original Bible word for rule implies that Christ's peace is to act like an umpire. That Christ's peace is to act like a judge in our lives. So, in other words, it's the judge of Christ's peace that decides what my outlook's going to be. It's the judge of Christ's peace that determines what my attitude's going to be like. It is the judge of Christ's peace that decides how I'm going to act even in the midst of difficult circumstances. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Here comes my peace I give to you. My peace, Jesus said, I give to you. Well, that leaves the question wide open then. Well, what does Christ's peace look like? What does Christ's peace look like in the life of a true believer? Well, I've got seven glimpses of what Christ's peace looks like in the life of a true believer. Number one, Christ's peace is not anxious for anything, but trusts God in everything. In Philippians 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And here comes the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Christ's peace is not anxious about anything, but trusts God in everything. Number two, it also doesn't doubt that God is in control. Do you remember as Jesus and his disciples were in the midst of that severe storm, their boat was filling with water, and Jesus laid asleep in the rear of the boat. And they awoke him and they said, Lord, do you even care that we're not per or that we're perishing? 
You see, they didn't have any peace. So Jesus arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he rebuked the sea. And I submit to you that he also rebuked his disciples. And you know what he said? He said, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And guess what happened? The wind ceased. The waves ceased. And there was great calm even in the boat. Christ's peace never doubts that God is in control. Number three, Christ's peace never forgets God's blessings and his answers to prayer. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 9, the Lord Jesus said, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from his father among you, will he give him a stone? If a son asks for a fish, will the father give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if the son asks for an egg, will the father offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil, being sinful, know how to give such good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you who ask him, give you the Holy Spirit, give you the peace to those who ask him? Christ's peace never forgets the blessings of God or his answers to our prayers. Number four, Christ's peace should also be present in all of our relationships. King David inspired the people of God in Psalm 34, 14 to depart from evil and do good. But he wasn't done there because he continued to say, seek peace. Seek peace and pursue it. You see, friend, when you seek peace, when you pursue peace, most times, you know what's going to happen? You're going to find it if you'll seek it and pursue it. Paul encouraged the church at Rome, if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Why? Because Christ's peace should be present in all of our relationships. Number five, Christ's peace comes from him and him alone. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 16, 13? He said, in me you'll have peace. In me you'll have peace. In me you'll have peace. Why? Because peace only comes from Jesus. Number six, Christ's peace is also produced in you by the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, when you come to Christ, when you surrender your life to the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you and to live within you and to provide evidence of your salvation, evidence of your Christian life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Here we go. Peace. The evidence of your Christian life is peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, Gentleness and self-control. Christ's peace comes to you through the Holy Spirit. But finally, Christ's peace promotes peace with other people. James 3.18, the Bible says, The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace 
by those who make peace. Do you remember what Jesus said? In the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called sons of God. So, friend, does the peace of God reside in you? Does the peace of God rule your life? Does the peace of God rule your life in every area? If not, can I tell you this morning that you're not living the kind of life that Jesus really intends you to live? He intends you to live a life filled with peace. God wants us to give him all of our burdens. He wants us to give him all of our concerns, all of our worries. He wants us to come and to ask him to replace all those things with his peace. His peace. Friend, this true peace that only Christ can give is unexplainable tranquility and calmness and stillness right in the very midst of trial, right in the very midst of trouble, right in the very midst of turmoil. That's true peace. This peace, friend, will not only calm your heart, but it will also encourage harmony between you and other people. It'll also encourage harmony between you and other brothers and sisters in Christ. My friend, would you like to have God's gift of peace? According to Jesus, peace comes when he controls our lives. Peace comes when we follow the Holy Spirit. Peace comes when God rules our heart. Jesus said, I'm leaving you a gift. I'm leaving you a gift. Peace. Peace in mind. Peace in heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world can't give you. So don't be troubled. And don't be afraid. Friend, if you want peace in your life, all you have to do is unwrap the gift. It's a gift, a promise, really, of peace in your life if you'll listen to those simple steps to God's gift. Now, if you've never come to God through Jesus Christ, I would be remiss not to tell you that you are still an enemy of God. That you lack peace with God because you have not come to Him through the only means by which you can be saved. And that is His Son, Jesus Christ. So if today's your day, if you've been knocking at the door long enough and you're ready to come and make peace with God, you can do that today through Jesus Christ, His Son. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, Lord above, I thank you so much for this precious, priceless gift of peace that you offer your own. Lord, help us to, to receive your gift and to unwrap it to allow 
our Lord and Savior to control our lives, to obediently follow the Spirit within us, to follow the filling. But also, Lord, allow you to rule our hearts. Father, if there's one listening this morning that realizes that they don't have a relationship with you because they've not come to you through faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that today would be their day. And I pray that once and for all, Lord, they would have peace with God that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I pray for them today. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who are listening. Father, they would be able to enjoy the very peace of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.